When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, everybody, and before we start this episode of the show, we, of course, want to tell you about DraftKings. The games are underway, and DraftKings is bringing you to the podium. DraftKings free-to-play pools are available every day of the games in Tokyo, offering you a free shot of up to $50,000 in total cash prizes. All you got to do is go to the free-to-play pools page and enter, download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of contests. Questions will range from metal count to questions specific to the USA team. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. And remember, DraftKings going to be legal coming up at the start of September. Download the top-rated DraftKings app right now and use that promo code THPN when you sign up to get a free shot out of up to $50,000 in total cash prizes every day of the games in Tokyo. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for full details. I'm Corey Crenshaw. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. In a world where social media is king and everyone is an expert in everything, get the facts from your insiders here on Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. Here are your hosts, Corey Crenshaw and Richie Flores. Welcome back in Sporty Nation. How's it going, everyone? I already can't say eligibility today. That's like a tongue twister for me. How is your day going? Hopefully it's killer. Uh, We don't have an insane amount of Coyotes news. We do have um, a very interesting sporty question, though, coming at you guys that I think is actually going to be a fun little debate between Richie and I. I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. But to get into that and much more with me as per usual, my wonderful and amazing co-host, Richie Suave Flores, how you doing? Hello, Corey. You know, before the show, it was nice because you and I, being the best friends that we are, we were reminiscing about our video editing days and our current video editing days. And and it made me smile because it, it reminded me of how we met through Cronkite and our actual our four and five years, in my case, of learning the journalism craft and videography that it's paying off for both of us. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's so funny, like, because both me and you do stuff in social media, and like, social media, obviously, um, having videography backgrounds translates very nicely into it, but it is so funny because you, you go into a world where people don't understand it, right? You know, there are certain rules um, that are relatively rigid in the world of videography, um, and, you know, some things kind of change with social media, you know, with reels and um, Instagram stories um, and TikToks and stuff, you know, those are shot vertically. But 
every other time you shoot video always needs to be horizontally. I can't tell you um, at my work how many times I've had to like literally beg people to turn their fucking phone to the side because they could not shoot sideways video to save their life. And why people ask me too, like, why are you shooting that? That's an establishing shot. Why? What is an establishing shot? What does it sound like? It establishes where we are. It, it, it's so funny how you like go through something, you learn it, and you're like, it's so ingrained in your mind that like, it almost makes you like irritated when you see things a, a different way, because you're just like, that's not how it's supposed to be. <laughs> And it's so amazing when Richie and I can talk to each other about it because it's like we're speaking our own language and it all just makes sense again. Yes, exactly. Look, now this, of course, is an audio podcast. So now you get our audio um, knowledge out there during this show. So anyway, yeah, that was actually it was a a nice discussion that we had prior to the show. We're going to keep most of the details off air for now but yes um if any of you need advice on videography or or social media Corey and i got your back we got you sporting nation we know how it works we know how the game is played i mean you're you're throwing that out there for free though like i feel like we need we need to be paid with like a sporty shout out yeah we need to give us a sporty shout out we need to we need to make a consultancy firm. That's what we need to do. Yeah, there you go. Sporty consulting. Yes, sporty consulting because that's like political consultants like do nothing. I have no idea who they are, and they get paid shit tons of money for consulting to pol- po- politicians all the time just to get elected. So we can become that version, but for podcast people. <laughs> See, there you go. I mean, it's one I knew one day when I was going on um you know video shoots in college with a big ass camera that they'd make you carry around um you know uh with a big ass tripod going to random ass places to shoot a bunch of random ass videos would pay off one day you know yep finally doing that what six years later seven seven years later for me my goodness and what four years later for you and and honestly like half half the stuff i do and it's been like that i've my i've been in my job for four years now and like since i got there you've progressively really been able to shoot everything off your phone there's very little things now that like at least social media wise that you need a camera for which is magical you can mm-hmm. shoot so many more things now, so so much more easily. I think most of everything that I've shot while I've been there has either just been off of a phone or a GoPro. Yeah. Easy peasy. Exactly. Technology, it's a wondrous thing. <laughs> All right, Sporting Nation, we have two Coyotes bits of information to talk about here on the show, and then we'll end the show Corey, with the return of random shit, I have two stories coming up to end the show for you that are hilarious, and none of which are sexual in nature, which is good, because sometimes we can go straight to the gutter. I, th- I think that's a good break for us, honestly. 
Um, I think after the NC-17 conversation we had, I don't know, a few weeks ago, maybe mm-hmm. a month ago, uh, it's probably good that we do take a, a nice, uh, decent break from that. Um, it, it probably won't last very long, but it is nice to at least have a, a small break. Yeah, so that's coming up to end the show. But first, we begin with the uh, latest story from Craig Morgan from the AZ Coyotes Insider, where he was detailing kind of an update into the tenure of Andre Torini, the head coach of the Coyotes. He's been on the job for about a month now, a little over a month now. And I this story that Craig put out I thought was really fascinating. And it just goes to show you something that I talked about when he was first hired, which is the kind of culture that Andre Torini is going to try and build here. And I think it's very, very important. So the name of the article, Tour de Torini, Coyote's new coach is going to great lengths to meet his players. And shortly after the Coyotes named Andre Torini, the eighth head coach in the franchise's Arizona history, Torini flew to Sweden to meet Oliver Ekman Larson before he was traded to the Canucks. OEL was our captain. I wanted to build a relationship with him, Torini explained. I wanted to talk to him about his expectations and what our expectations would be. Of course, um, Oliver Larson was later traded. And later he said uh, he got back to Arizona for the expansion draft. And in, when he did that, he met with Phil Kessel, Clayton Keller in Arizona. He also had a long chat with Andrew Ladd when he was in town at Third Coyotes acquired him. And while Torini was in Canada, he popped in for a coffee and a chat with the Chickrens of all people and, and some others. So he's already met with a lot of these players, a lot of his players already. And I think that's very important. And it's not like, you know, doing it over the phone or zoom, like he's going in person. Like he literally flew out to Sweden to talk to Oliver Ekman Larson, who I have a feeling Andre Turney knew was on his way out the door anyway, but I feel like it's these types of things and these types of relationships with players that is going to pay off for the Coyotes because especially with younger players, that's what you kind of have to do sometimes is you have to play both sides. You, have, you can be their, their buddy, but you also have to be their hot-ass coach at the same time. That's something that Torini talked about in his press conference. He, he talked about how he understands that there are two different people, essentially. You're dealing with a player on the ice and you're dealing with the person, the man. And I think that's what he's getting at here with going around the country multiple countries around the world talking to his new players. Yeah. I mean, I think like you said, it speaks volumes for who he is going to be as a coach and who he is as a person. And the fact that you're correct, he probably knew that Oliver Ekman Larson was going to be gone very shortly, but in, he still felt this need as the current team's captain and uh, as someone who has been with the organization for so long that he knew so much of not just about this current team, but about how um, hockey is here in the state, how it was, you know, previously before this ownership, like so many different things that Oliver Ekman Larson's been here for. And so in, in a way, this was a way for him to be able to, talk to him and get an actual feel for this team. Um, and I think it was the the proper way to do it as much as we've said about um, Oliver Ekman Larson, not really being the captain that we wanted him to be and not really being the player that we wanted him to be um, this last season. In the same token, he has been a, a very 
great advocate for hockey here in the state and for the Coyotes. And it has always been kind of a fan favorite um, up until recently. So I think that's really telling. And I think it's uh, also really dope that he went and had a great chat with the Chickrens at their White Lake cabin near um, Arnprior, Ontario. I don't know why I, I had to read it like that. Um, but yeah, so the fact that he went and while he was up in Canada, I think he had some visa um, things that he had to take care of to go up there and have a chat with them and get a feel for that and everything. It's uh, shows a lot of investment very early for one and two. Um, the fact that he didn't just take his time. He decided to really just get his feet wet right off the start is uh, two really good signs, I honestly think. And yeah, Andre Torini continued here, again, quoting this article from Craig Morgan. When training camp starts its business, he said, the rules in the NHL are set up so there are three hours at the rink to do a workout, warm-ups, practice, and treatment. You have no time to build that relationship with the players and just talk. You deal with a lot of players, 40, 45, whatever the number will be. You want to take care of everybody, but you don't have the same amount of quality time to address each person, each individual. I want to have a conversation with all of our players and get the chance to be a little more casual and start building a relationship rather than going right into business and training camp. And again, it's it's talk, right? And you can win a press conference all you want. You can talk all you want. You can say these nice things. And that's all well and good. And that, and that's this is what you want to hear from a head coach. Now it's a matter of putting it into actual practice and seeing how it pays off on the ice in the years to come. Granted, we're not really going to see that payoff this year, as we've talked about previously on the last episode. But when he says in that in that quote there, when he says, um, you know, I, I, I want to have a conversation with all of our players and get the chance to be a little more casual and start building a relationship rather than going into business and training camp. Like, again, I, I just see echoes – of Andre Torini and what Monty Williams is doing with the Suns. I know I brought this up before, but I feel like that's the case with Monty too, where um, Monty Williams is able to understand that he's building relationships with his players off the court, but he's also understanding that what he needs to do to get the best out of them on the court too. And, and if, if the, like I said on a previous episode when Andre Torini was hired, if they found their Monty Williams, man, the, Coyotes are, are in for a heck of a resurgence here in, in the years to come. And all I'm seeing right now is exactly what you want to hear. You're starting to build that culture of expectations, of relationships, of, of a certain set of expectations. When you come to play for the Coyotes, this is what we expect from you. And that's what Bill Armstrong and Andre Torini are building here. And, um, and we'll find out next in terms of, the kind of coaching staff Andre Torini wants to put together. But again, this is, I, I, I like everything I'm reading from Andre Torini right now. And that's, and that's a good thing. I think it's also great that in, in one of his quotes here in this article, he mentions the fact that he doesn't just do it for, um, you know, trying to tell them what he's expecting. He's also wanting to hear from them what they're expecting and what they what, but what essentially they want. And I think that's great in the fact that the, a relationship is a two-way street. It's not just because like, oh, I'm a, I'm a new coach coming in here. Everything needs to be my way. You know, um, I, 
I think the fact that he recognizes that it it's only going to work if he's able to learn from them and they're able to learn from him and that they are going to be able to be cohesive that way. And so, um, you know, he's had great experience with this and uh, in the fact that he uh, did it in Colorado and that seemed to work for him. But um, I I like his approach at it and I think it's going to be very interesting coming forward. And I think it's going to be a big thing when it comes to him choosing the captaincy he's definitely going to actually know these players and understand them before he makes that choice, which is a big deal because choosing a wrong captain can be detrimental. And I, I still go back to the fact that OEL probably should have never have had the captaincy um, from the standpoint of, of what he actually would do in the locker room. It just what never fit his personality correctly. And some people just aren't that way. And that, there's nothing wrong with that, but um he'll be able to actually get a real feel for um, these players and be able to actually um, be able to see who could lead that locker room, especially when you have so many new players coming in and it's going to be um, essentially a, a brand new team and figuring out how that dynamic is going to work is going to be difficult. He's in to some degree, he's going to have to fit puzzle pieces together and make, make that um chemistry work but at the same time you know he he can only do so much this team has to kind of work together and whether they do or they don't he he kind of has to feel that out so that way he can kind of work through that um because uh, not to be not not to be mean about it but his first two two to three seasons are going to be brutal they're going to be kind of setting him up for failure in in a way. And so he has to figure out how he's going to deal with that and how he's going to come at this team uh, chemistry-wise and from a personal level because the play may not be there. How is he going to be able to push this team through on a more mental level? I remember asking Derek Stepan um, right before he, he joined the team, right before Rick Tockett's first season as head coach and and right bef- right after Shane Doan had left the franchise about the captaincy and, and, and about leadership. And if I remember correctly, he more or less said that, you know, you don't need to have a letter on your jersey to be a leader. You can be a leader without that, right? You can You can be a leader in the locker room and not just because of a letter on your jersey. And I think that's one hundred percent true. I think that's kind of what you were you were getting at a little bit too. Is is I think the leadership in the locker room is going to be something that is going to be earned as opposed to being slapped on somebody. And um, before we kind of dive deeper into the captaincy here, let's kind of go quickly what Andre Torini said about the captaincy here. And again, in this article from Craig, he said uh, we're in no rush. With that, I think we will let everything fall in place. We don't want to do an election or something like that. We will be patient. We will just start the camp and roll with it. We have a, we had a lot of good leaders join our team, and we already had some, so we need to let everything fall in place, and we will organize our team the way we believe it. Um, he was also asked as a, as a follow-up about not naming a captain and um, being a possibility, and he said, absolutely I did that before as a coach. I believe when you name a captain, it has to be unanimous. When you name a captain, the owner has to think has to think he 
named the captain. The GM has to think he named the captain. The coaches have to think they named the captain. The players have to think they named the captain. Everybody has to arrive at the same answer. And I have a feeling that's what we're going to end up getting here, at least for the first year or two, is we're just going to get a bunch of different assistant captains, and I think that's okay for now. Um, it kind of gets me into my my quick little rant of I don't really understand why hockey has to have captains and assistant captains to begin with. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I feel like it's kind of a outdated thing for the most part. I understand why it's an honor for a lot of these players to have that letter on their jersey, but at the same time, you know, you don't see it in other sports. You know what I mean? It goes again into the fact that you can – leadership is – you don't need a letter to be a leader. So, yeah, I, I have a feeling we're, we're not going to see a captain, at least this year, maybe not even next year. Other teams have done this in the past where they've taken a couple years to kind of figure it out after they lost their captain. They didn't dive directly into naming a new one, right? The Sharks went on for without a couple years. Um, the Golden Knights didn't name Mark Stone their captain until, I believe, their third season. So there's a lot of precedent out there for not having a captain and, and – even though, and we'll get to this in just a second, of who we think the captain should be, if any, the next captain should be. And um, I have a feeling it's, it's going to take a while before it gets really figured out. Yeah, it's an interesting concept that you just brought up there and the fact that it's it's one of those things of, um, it's funny, um, one, of, one of the people that that I work with, I, I love this saying that she always has, uh, is her... Her most hated statement that she has ever heard is we we do it because that's the way it's always been. And it's it's actually kind of funny because in essential essentially that is kind of why you do it. You do it because it's the way that it's always been. And um you know the fact that you're questioning that I think is actually really smart and really interesting in the fact that uh it would be really interesting to see what the players feel about that, you know, and the fact that if they feel the the dynamic on their teams, that there's people that are, are clearly leaders. I mean, like Christian Dvorak was clearly a a leader and probably the biggest leader in that um, locker room for the most part from what like I had heard, but he didn't have the captaincy. And so you have to, you have to like look at this and think, is it really that detrimental in the fact that they wouldn't have a captaincy for the the next like two seasons or something? I really don't think so on a, on a brand new team and on a team that um, you know is just coming off of a, a, a situation where they actually did better when um, there was there was no official captain. It was just the assistants. Um, I think I think it can be used very wisely when it's used in a situation to give a player who um, who really doesn't take responsibility for what they're doing when they are given an assistant role. It does give them um, a feeling of more responsibility and they take shit a little bit more seriously. I think it in in that sense, in order to encourage your players, um, it's a really great thing. I think it's also something that's used as a little bit of a PR stunt on um, the fan side as well. Like I felt like the OEL pick was a fan 
to, to make fans happy, essentially, because that's kind of the way that everyone was leaning. But um, it really should be whoever is going to be that person that's going to lead your locker room and is going to be the person that's going to have to bear the weight of the pressure and knowing that they have to bear the weight of the pressure of constantly being the one that can keep that team afloat and keep the morale afloat when everything has gone to shit. Like they can't, that's that one person that can't focus on just themselves. They have to uh, focus on the team as a whole and giving someone that responsibility, I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. Um, It's just, it's, has to be a correct person for one and it is it is an interesting concept that you bring up yeah i'm you know i'm curious what people think of this maybe we'll put out a poll or something on the sporty because we have our sporty question which again i'll get to in in just a second but just put it out to the wider hockey audience and see what they think because i feel like out of every other sport i feel like hockey is the hardest to change and it's the hardest for fans to adapt to change. So if I bring that up to an older fan or some more hardcore fans, I feel like they wouldn't like it and they would think I'm crazy, but I think it's worth a discussion for sure. Um, again, it, doesn't it, football have some captains in there? Yes, you're right. Yeah. That's the only other sport that has that names, a, that names like an offensive defensive special teams captain. Yeah. So we asked the sporty question, who should be the next Coyotes captain? Got a few responses, and I think both of us have our ideas as to who it may be. And remember, the roster as constructed now is a very transitionary roster, so keep that in mind. But some of the responses we got, State of Hoppy from the Minnesota Wild podcast says Shane Doan. <laughs> he is always our captain. Yes, absolutely. Captain Coyote forever. Uh, Ben says Phil Kessel until further notice. Uh, We have uh, Tri-Power 66 says, I think Bear goes with three A's, which is exactly what we just discussed. And then we had uh, Nick from the Penguins podcast say, he said, is Phil staying I said, for now, and he said, then that's my answer for now. So a couple votes for Phil Kessel in our poll, which I don't see happening anytime soon, but just because he's the oldest and most experienced player doesn't necessarily mean anything. But I, so my vote is, is pretty clear here. Um, it just so happens we have a group chat that's named after this particular thought. It's, uh, I, I have, it just is going the way that Jacob Chickren is going to be the next captain of this team. I maybe would have said Connor Garland if he stayed, but with him gone, I think Jacob Chickren now is seemingly going to be the next in line. I thought me and you were going to argue with this, and we are actually on the complete exact same page on this. I don't know why. I felt like you felt very sure and I felt like you weren't going to go the Chikrin route for some reason. But yeah, I, I 100% agree. I, I really think that's where it's going. I think uh, that a part of, part of the new coach's thought process is going that direction too. If you're, you know, going to meet to have coffee with the family, you know, mm-hmm. 
that seems a little bit like you're you're pretty invested in that kid because you know that he's very invested here. I I do think that that is is where it's going next. I would not be surprised, like even remotely surprised, if that's where where it's going. So we'll have to see. But yeah, that is that is my vote as well. Damn, I thought this was going to be an argument. I'm, but once again, the best friendship avails. Mm-hmm. Did you think who 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 did you think I was going to say? I don't know. I thought you were going to argue with me that it it wasn't going to be that like. I thought your definite answer was going to be an undecisive answer. Like you were going to say that it could be a number of people and that it, or it could be someone coming in that has more uh, veteran appeal and that you were going to try and argue with me that it wasn't that like cut and dry because that's kind of the richy way to do things. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's kind of what I was getting at with just getting rid of captains and assistant captains altogether. So in a way, you were kind of correct. I just I just jumped the gun on that particular opinion and said it earlier. Okay, that's that's a good point. Touche. <laughs> so yeah, you can uh, let us know at Corey underscore Touche on Twitter who you think the next captain of the Coyotes will be and slash or if they're even on the roster at this very moment because that is also – very, very possible. So uh, one last little Coyotes nugget here before we move on. This is something that caught my eye this week, Corey. I don't know if you saw it too. Um, the Coyotes put out a press release that was maybe the most – I'm trying to put this in a way. It's the most PR mumbo-jumbo I've ever heard in my life. And, but I hope it's true. Here's what the press release stated. So the Coyotes announced this week that they are are now working with the new uh, advertising agency, Mullen Lowe, out of Los Angeles. And this is what they hope this partnership brings. Quote, we chose Mullen Lowe to help with our mission to break NHL team stereotypes and present our club in a cool and edgy way. Um, okay, how do I say this without being a dick? Okay, I'm just going to say it and I'm going to be a dick. You know, in Mean Girls, when the mom comes in and she's just like, I'm not a regular mom, I'm a cool mom. And then she's like, do you guys need any snacks, condoms? Like, that's how this comes off. <laughs> a little bit, doesn't it? Like, it, it kind of comes off as that way. I'm going to continue. Our identity and brand evolution will focus on our commitment to be consistent contenders on the ice and evolve our look to be a more inclusive, innovative, and impactful in our community. It goes on to state, now this is cool, the launch will include two murals scheduled to be displayed at sites to be announced in Phoenix during Hispanic Heritage Month. The new branding will debut with a soft launch in September with a complete rebranding scheduled for October. Some of the rebranding will include a redefined color palette, modern twists on classic logos and word marks. Now, that was that to me was the most interesting thing in the entire press release because that's actually news there, which is we're going it's seemingly like we're going back to full Kachina. And we know we're getting a new a brand new jersey for this season already. And it is seemingly now. I'm curious what direction they're going to go here. Are they going to 
basically are they going to keep the Kinchino with brand new colors to kind of, with the kind of red and sand color? Are they going to keep the green in there? Are they going to throw in some purple? Like there's some ways that this could go, and I'm really fascinated to see where they where they choose to go. But I think it's almost a complete 100% certainty that we're getting a brand new primary logo, and it's going to be Kachina, and then we're getting full time Kachina, and I am very excited about this. It's funny because I think there is a large opening for this to be awesome. And there's also a large opening for this to be completely botched. People love the Kachina. Like it's, and it's, it's not a, it's not a long shot to say that a lot of things don't really pop up of the Coyotes around the entire NHL. So the fact that the the Kachina had actually um, made it around where everyone universally liked the Kachina is a big deal. So in the fact that um, they're going to be doing this, obviously, with the Kachina and with, you know, the old colors and everything, if they stick to kind of the basics of what it is and then make some modifications to it and just make it a little bit edgier, cooler, whatever they want to call it, okay. But if they try and revamp the entire thing and make it too new agey, I feel like you could take something that's great and make it look horrible. Because the Kachina itself is something out of the 90s, people. Like, let's not forget that. I don't know how you can make the Kachina not look like it's something out of the 90s and without making it something completely different. Yep, I, I agree with you there. And I hope, I hope that what you're saying is completely wrong. And that they actually do the right thing here. And hopefully they don't do get too crazy with it. Albeit, again, I'm curious as to what they mean by um, <laughs> present our club in a cool and edgy way and breaking NHL team stereotypes. I'm very fascinated by what they mean by that. And we'll find out here in a couple weeks, next month. They mean that they're the cool mom. Coyotes are the cool mom. I love it. Okay, I got we uh, we're running out of time here, so I got one, um, one random shit story for you here, and it involves a cute little puppy. Yes, puppies all day, every day, not cats. (laughs) Okay, stop it. A sassy sausage dog. As and it's a Dotson. It's, uh, yeah, I think it's a wiener dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah so wiener dog is a Dotson. That's their official professional okay. name. <laughs> they just called a sat a sausage dog over in the UK, I guess. Oh well, sausage dog, wiener dog, Dotson, all the same thing. Some people call it dash hound. They're adorable. Sorry, continue. So this this uh Doc's Dotson dog has found himself in and rescue is on the lookout for a personal assistant to pamper, entertain, and walk him to into his new new home. Sir Enzo of Berkshire has been dubbed the male canine version of Beyonce for his diva personality. But friends of animal whales are certain the right person for the job is out there. The three-year-old loves to be active, walking and playing with his toys in the grounds of his manor. 
Enzo is probably the male canine version of Beyonce. Stunning to look at, but a bit of a diva. Just make sure you have plenty of alkaline water, which is adequately chilled sitting in your fridge. <laughs> so if you want to adopt this beautiful dog, you can do so. Okay, I have to see what this dog looks like. So He's kind of a chunk. Is... He's kind of a chunk. So his name is what? Enzo? Yes. Sir Enzo. Enzo of Berkshire. Sir Enzo. Oh my gosh. Okay, well, first of all, I really... There's a, there's a character I like. His name is Enzo, so I can appreciate that. And I love, love, love uh wiener dogs like wiener dogs corgis um labs and golden retrievers i'm done with any of those i'm like i'm completely done with it like i've loved wiener dogs since i was a little kid and i need to find this dog i can't i'm trying to search for him richie i want okay. to i'll send dog. you the i'll send you the link hang on Coming your way. Stand by. There's a cute picture of him here. Sir Enzo. But he's been knighted. He can't be a sir without Mm -hmm. knighting. Oh, he's so cute. (laughs) (gasps) Oh, he's so cute. That's okay. If he's a little chunky, it just means you need to take him on a a few more walks. (laughs) <laughs> the problem is you can't let them get that oh he's not that chunky you can't let them get really chunky though because they're they have back problems yes so um it's uh yeah oh and they said mini- so he's a miniature dotson too not only is he a dotson he's a miniature dotson yeah so they um they have bad back problems it's one of their issues because they've got tiny little legs um but they are adorable and they are sassy and they're smart so i can i can understand this one's probably very sassy um the canine version of beyonce i i kind of love this dog i mean i I'm not kidding you. I've always wanted a wiener dog. Scotty wants to get a golden retriever, which probably fits more of like our athletic lifestyle. And he's very afraid that if we get a wiener dog and it keeps on going up and down our stairs, that it's going to break its back. So um, <laughs> we, we've we decided we're going to wait until we move to a bigger place and get a golden. But, um, but I, if I could adopt this dog, I would. I would pamper the shit out of this dog. And uh, Sir Enzo of Berkshire has been des- described as a typical stubborn mini sausage. <laughs> oh, you keep on saying Berkshire. They, they call it Sir Enzo of Barkshire. Whatever. Yes. Yes. That was like a play on words. They put bark in there. If you guys, <laughs> if you guys don't realize I'm a big, big dog person. So I've just gone into like complete like I would just want to cuddle a puppy right now. See, this is the only thing Corey and I disagree about, I feel like, is um, – I don't get me wrong. Dogs are great. I don't hate them by any means. But I'm much more of a cat person. But, again, we'll save that for another, another day. <laughs> Yet 
Uh, Gibson doesn't treat you with kindness, okay? Uh, there's been many, many stra uh, scratches from Gibson. Mm -hmm. Gibson never seems happy. Gibson <laughs> runs away and does God knows what at night. Would your dog do that? No. Your dog would lay right next to you in bed, sleep, wait for you to wake up, and then look happy as shit that you were awake and ready and wants to play. <laughs> this is very true. What? Meanwhile, the cat's just like wanting to be fed. Well, yeah, but then the cat's just like, is like, feed me. And then afterwards, they're just like, okay, fuck you. I don't need you for anything else now. Go away. Exactly. Exactly. It's <laughs> exactly what it is. That's mm -hmm. the thing is, uh, and, and I've heard too many stories of cats ending up in weird places. Like one person I know, uh, his cat always wanted to go in his fridge. Like that's a great way to accidentally freeze your cat. I can't trust cats. And with that, we will end the episode. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Corey underscore Richie show. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Corey Richie show. Follow Corey at Corey Nicole with two E's. Follow me at rflores91. Follow the network at HockeyPodNet. Go to DraftKings.com and use that promo code THPN. El eligibility restrictions apply. Got to go to DraftKings.com for full details. Make sure you do that, everybody. And uh, until next time, good night and good hockey, everybody.